Today, we delve into perhaps the most contested of all theological debates. We hear a story that occurs light years away from earth. We talk about the gospel, according to Dan, and we wonder if being part of the Flat Earth Society is a sin, all on the way to answering the question, is there an unforgivable sin? Welcome to the Sky Pilot Podcast that explores questions of faith, spirituality, and religion. I'm Dan Matthews, and I don't have all the answers, but I do enjoy the questions. Welcome to the podcast where every question is an invitation into a spiritual quest, and you're invited along for the journey. Before we get started today, let me say thanks. We have recently passed the one-year anniversary of this podcast, People have listened from over 500 cities around the world. 33 countries have listened in. There have been listeners on every continent. Well, except Antarctica. Since this is listened to in such a variety of places and by such a variety of people, I thought it might be fun to share some of that with each other. So I invite you to send me a picture of how or where you listen. It can be a selfie If you listen, say, on your morning walk, of you on your morning walk, or if you don't want to include a picture of yourself, then you can send a picture of your comfy chair where you listen, or even send me a picture of something distinctive from the city in which you live where you listen. If I get enough responses, I'll share them on Facebook page or even put together a montage on the YouTube channel. Mostly, I want to say thank you for a great year. And now, on with the next. In order to get to our primary question today, I will ask another. Should a teenager face capital punishment for accidentally falling into a flower garden while playing ball? Of course, the answer is no. And as silly as it seems, that's the question that arises in an episode of Star Trek Next Generation. While the characters of this sci-fi show are visiting a very Eden-like planet, Wesley, a young teenager who lives on the Starship Enterprise, is teaching the local youth of this planet to throw a football. While trying to catch a football that someone has thrown him, he falls into an area where, by local custom, every infraction must receive the death sentence. Even though the infraction seems small, he's just tripped and fallen into a flower bed, it happened in a zone where every mistake was unforgivable. Two things to say about this. First, since I'm not going to spend a lot more time on this episode, I will tell you that Wesley does not wind up dead. And second, if you're going to watch this episode, or if you have watched it, you may have found yourself frustrated with the notion that he was going to be held accountable for something he didn't even know was a rule. If there are unforgivable rules in any situation, you should probably know and understand those up front. That seems absolutely key, vital, and at its most basic level, just fair, right? Which is probably a good question for anyone who wants to follow God. Are there any sins that God absolutely will not forgive? Now, first, let me say that even within Christianity, you would find a fair amount of debate on this subject. So I'm certainly not going to try to speak on this subject and claim authority for all Christians, much less am I going to make any claim about beliefs across other faith traditions. I'm just not knowledgeable enough to do that, although I would love to hear someone else speak on that. 
And even if I could talk about other faith traditions, to do so would really be an interesting, say, semester-long class rather than a podcast. So within Christianity, there's a great deal of debate about what particular infractions will bar your entrance into heaven, even to the point where, say, one denomination considers something a mortal sin that another denomination doesn't even consider a sin at all. So I want to say two quick things as we enter into this. First, when in doubt in a subject like this, turn to Scripture as a starting place, and that's exactly what we will do. And second, as I've said before, when teaching or preaching, I have in my ministry occasionally announced that I'm now going to share the gospel according to Dan. I make no claim that what I'm about to tell you is everybody's understanding, but it's where I've come to be in my understanding. So with that said, let's begin. So does Scripture tell us what is unforgivable? That's a good place to start, right? Well, actually, yes, it does. Rather specifically, in Matthew 12, 31, it says, And so I tell you, every kind of sin and slander can be forgiven, but blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. That's it. I guess it's good news because it's not a lengthy list, right? But I don't know. It's a little disappointing because it's so, well, vague. I was hoping for something a little more specific. You know, never cross against the light. Don't remove the mattress tags. Never stand in the grocery store express lane with too many items. Oh, and never, never use the phrase to make a long story short when you've already gone on for too long. Anyway, what's the definition of blasphemy then? So we're talking about using the name of God in an irreverent or degrading way, right? I mean, that's what I understood blasphemy, Ten Commandments, do not use the Lord's name in vain. So to use God's name in vain is blasphemy, right? Now, I'm certainly a believer that certain words have power, and I have a handful of things I never say. Not surprisingly, I will tell you, I don't say the N-word, ever. Even in an academic setting, when I was in school and we took turns reading passages of Huck Finn aloud, I wasn't going to say the word even in that context because to me that word is just too violent and has too much power and too much awful history. And everyone who isn't black should never say that word. Period. And there are others I don't say that's pertinent to this conversation. I don't use the word God or Jesus in a flippant way. They aren't expletives. God has given us the power to call upon our Creator by name, and at least I believe we should be respectful of that amazing gift. Interestingly, though, I don't think I've ever heard anyone use the term Spirit or Holy Spirit in any sort of flippant way. So if that's the prohibition we are being taught in this passage, then I think most of us are good. But I don't think that's what we're talking about here. So let's backtrack and look at some key words here. What does the word blasphemy mean? Well, when a preacher uses it from the pulpit, it most often means, as I said, using God's name in vain, using coarse language in conjunction with God's name or title, or it means just using God's name or title as an expletive. 
But in truth, it means a bit more than that. Let's turn to our friend Webster, the dictionary, and find a definition. Webster's dictionary says the act of insulting or showing contempt or lack of reverence for God. So it's not so much the words themselves, but the act of blasphemy shows contempt or lack of respect or an unwillingness to acknowledge the power of God. So let's take a moment and look at the meaning of the word spirit. We will turn to scripture again for our definition. So this is in 1 John 5, verse 6. And it says, and it is the spirit who testifies because the spirit is the truth. So blaspheming the Holy Spirit is probably as simple as denying the truth. So if I deny the truth, am I blaspheming God? I mean, the world is round. We know that is true. So if you are going around proclaiming that the world is flat, are you proclaiming blasphemy? Well, two things I have to say to that. First, no, that's not what we mean here by blasphemy. And second, you should really stop doing that. So what are we talking about then? We're talking about God's truth. Now, obviously, God created everything, so all truth is God's truth. But in this case, I think we're talking about God's bottom line truth. If you deny the truth, that is God's bottom line truth, then you are treading into territory that the Gospel of Matthew was talking about in blaspheming the Spirit. So now we're down to it. What is God's truth? What is the ultimate truth according to God? Well, in Christianity, we look to Jesus who came to reveal God's truth. Okay, here we go. Another quick passage from Scripture, John 3.16. This one's more familiar for most people. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son. And there it is. What is the truth that God intended to convey to the world through the arrival of God in the flesh, whom we call Jesus? Well, according to Scripture, the truth is love. So God loved the world so much that he took flesh. And then it goes on to say, and that he might give us eternal life. So in Christianity, we believe Jesus to be the ultimate revelation of God's truth. Jesus is God's effort to offer truth, the truth to offer us love and a gift of eternal life. And ultimately, God loves us so much that he is willing to give us the choice. We don't have to accept the gift. And ultimately, rejecting the truth, rejecting the gift, rejecting God's love, I think that's the blasphemy. So those who don't believe in Jesus are guilty of blasphemy and going to be rejected from heaven. That's what you just said, Dan, right? No. No, because we're not done yet. And because that's not what I believe. A number of years ago, I visited a care home in Jamaica for Jamaican people who had been abandoned. Let me tell you a little more about this. Occasionally, children are born who are so mentally and physically limited from the moment of birth that they will live extremely limited lives. These are people who will spend their life in bed unless someone moves them out of the bed. They will spend their life hungry unless someone feeds them. They are cognitively unable to make even the most basic decisions about their own existence. And the impoverished families into which they're born sometimes abandon them because well, they don't have the ability to care for them. And this remarkable place I visited 
lovingly took care of these people. And all of the people at this Jamaican home that I saw would be absolutely incapable of acknowledging the truth of who God is or what God means to the world or the love that God offers. Their awareness of things going on around them was way too limited for that. So they're doomed to be excluded from heaven because they have not and cannot acknowledge the truth. They cannot acknowledge God's love. Well, of course, that's not true. I tend to believe that when their earthly lives are over, God makes them whole and then offers them the truth, meaning God allows them full healing. And after they are given full healing, full restoration to wholeness, then God allows them to understand all that's being offered. And then God allows them to choose. Now, here's where it gets particularly controversial for some people. I don't just believe this is true of these people. I think everyone gets the same opportunity. I used to work at a mental health facility for teenagers, and there were occasionally kids who came through the program who had been profoundly abused by their parents. And worse yet, the parents had used religion and the name of God as their justification for this horrific abuse. That child, perfectly bright, physically whole, will probably never have an opportunity to understand the true nature of God in this life because of the woundedness that that person has received because of the abuse. I believe God, again, gives them an opportunity to be a whole, to understand the truth of God's love, and then decide if they want to receive the gift. Now, some will find this a disturbing idea. Wait, wait, you have to decide in this life. There has to be some sort of time limit or you can't be accepted in. Because you can't just make this stuff up, Dan. You have to base it on scripture. This whole, oh, you can come to the party late and still get into the party and enjoy the same thing that everybody else does. You got to base that on scripture. You can't just say, well, I feel that's the way God is. Well, actually, I did. So let's remind ourselves of a story Jesus told in the 20th chapter of Matthew. Jesus tells a story in which workers in the vineyard are hired at various stages throughout the day, and yet all who are brought onto the workplace at the beginning of the day or at the end of the day, doesn't matter when they join the work, they all received the same reward, the same pay. Now, the absolutely clear message of this story is that we, in humanity, tie timing and reward together according to our own sense of time. But the gifts of God are not offered according to an earthly timeline, but according to a divine one. God's timelines for sharing divine love and the fruits of that gift are not going to be according to what we expect it to be. And here's the final complaint I've heard in response to this. But if everyone gets a final opportunity to, in the presence of God, make their choice, that means everyone, everyone, everyone will choose God in the end. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. And more importantly, I think we in humanity see that as a problem because we often only see a gift that we receive as being valuable 
if someone else doesn't get the same gift. I think we see it as a problem, but not God. God doesn't see that as a problem. God sees that as the intent of the divine plan to do God's best to make sure absolutely everyone gets in. So why even mention blasphemy if everyone gets in? Because I believe that according to God, everyone is given the offering of love and life. And God loves us so much that God is willing to allow us to choose. God wants to be in real relationship with each of us. So God gives us a choice. And ultimately, I think blasphemy is turning from the love of God in this final moment of choice. Has anyone ever made that choice? I don't know. I tend to think not. I bet God can be pretty convincing in that moment. And I know, I know God hopes no one ever does make that choice and that absolutely everyone makes it into heaven. That's all for today. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you get notified of future episodes. Also, you can find me on Facebook and you can find me on YouTube. Just search for Sky Pilot Faith Quest. And if you'd like to get in touch with me by email, my address is dan at skypilot, S-K-Y-P-I-L-O-T dot zone. On your spiritual journey, may you ask questions, seek answers, and boldly go wherever the quest takes you. Thanks for listening to Sky Pilot Faith Quest. I invite you to send me a question or leave a review. And remember, the sign of a strong faith, solid religion, or healthy spiritual journey is not certainty, but that you keep asking questions. <laughs>